At a time like this, it's easy to see why local news is so important and why that news should be free for everyone who needs it to be. Your support of KCUR makes this essential reporting possible. If you can, please donate. KCUR.org slash give. And thanks. Good morning and welcome to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. Lots to talk about today. We begin with a visit with the Mayor Pro Tem of North Kansas City, Brian DeLong, and we'll ask him how his city is dealing with people crowding into city parks these days. Later, area libraries may be closed due to the coronavirus, but they're still offering a lot of services. We'll run those down. Then we'll turn to the plight of small businesses in the metro and how they're faring or not during the pandemic. First, though, we begin with a look at the latest news with KCUR's Sam Zeff. Sam, good morning. Good morning, Steve. What's first uh, today here? Well, both uh, the Jackson County Legislature and the Johnson County Commission have uh, business before them today dealing with the coronavirus. Uh, at the Jackson County Legislature, uh, ca- uh, County Executive Frank White wanted a $10 million COVID-19 fund. The legislature will cut that in half to about $5 million today. The legislature will also vote on a proposal or take up a resolution that would freeze assessment values for the uh, 2021 assessment at 2019 levels. In Johnson County, uh, the county commission wants to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to test more people for COVID-19. KCUR's Frank Morris was on that story. Johnson County Commissioners will hold a special meeting by video conference this afternoon to vote on allocating up to $400,000 for coronavirus tests. That would buy between three and 4,000 completed tests and represent a major expansion of testing in the county. County officials say a big increase in testing would help map the spread of the virus, even among people showing no symptoms for the disease it causes. The shortage of tests here is frustrating patients and leaving public health officials trying to manage the outbreak with only scant evidence. Last week, a group of Kansas City area business leaders pooled resources and contacts to order 50,000 tests for the metropolitan area. But those purchases have yet to translate into a big spike in testing here. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris. Sam, let's go back to the Jackson County side here. Why do Jackson County legislators want to cut Frank White's uh, recommendation by half here? Pretty simple. They uh, were apparently not included in conversations before Frank White made that proposal. I think they also believe that they just don't have that kind of money laying around. You've also got some dog news today, Sam. I do. You know, this is not a huge story in the world of coronavirus, but I liked it very much. Bill Grady got on the board with that story this morning. Kevin Jamison is an attorney who specializes in firearms law. He says many local gun shops are staying open with the argument they qualify as essential businesses under health and safety provisions. However, Jamison says Missouri law is clear that gun stores cannot be forced to close. Kansas does not have the same protection, but Jamison thinks federal law is on the side of gun shops anyway. Meanwhile, he says local gun shops have been staying busy. I think it's people speculating that the ammunition shortage will continue through the summer and they're They're buying up stocks, which they will later 
sell at inflated prices. Jamison points out that ammunition cannot generally be returned after purchase. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Chris Haxel. Okay, I didn't well, hear any dog stories there. Yeah, you know, while dogs and guns sometimes go together, that wasn't the case here. Uh, that was a story that we had last week. The Bill Grady story I, I liked very much. There was a, a puppy palace. It's a business in Overland Park uh, that will now uh, take care of your dog if you think you are sick with coronavirus. Oh, wow. So if you need to get tested uh, or you think that you're sick, you call up the number. They'll take care of your dog for a few days while you, uh, while you go to the doctor and get tested. A nice recovery there, Sam. Thanks very much. That's KCUR Sam Zeff. Appreciate it. North Kansas City is like a lot of cities in the metro in that it's trying to navigate its way through an unprecedented crisis. Officials are making decisions about use of city parks, about the timing of the upcoming city election, and about which services can still be offered. Now joining us to talk about all this is North Kansas City Mayor Pro Tem Bryant DeLong. He joins us via Skype this morning. Bryant, nice nice to have you. Good morning. Thanks, Steve, for having me on. What about the reports we've been seeing, uh, you know, about lots of people crowding into city parks these days? You can hardly blame them in the springtime weather, but there are big concerns here about the lack of social distancing. How are you approaching this in North Kansas City, Bryant? No, that's true. We've had a lot, a lot of nice days over this last week, so and people are tired of being cramped up, so they're trying to get out and get to the parks. But we have our Parks and Recreation has closed the playgrounds at the parks. The parks remain open but are discouraging people from being on the actual playground equipment. So, you know, it's harder to get out and continuously clean that and, and keep it safe for everybody. So we finally have shut those down. It's one thing to put signs up. Are people still moving past the signs and using the equipment? I don't think as much as before. I did see earlier in the week there was a lot more people. We initially had signs up, but that was pretty well being ignored. Hmm. Uh, I think now it's it's a lot more. Things are getting a lot more serious, too, and people are understanding it a lot better. So they're... They're resisting the temptation to go out there as well. I'm wondering what your biggest need right now is in North Kansas City. Oh, my biggest fear, I'm concerned for a lot of our small businesses right now, Uh, especially we had to cancel the Snake Saturday Parade, which brings over 100,000 people in and people have a good time, go out to all these bars and restaurants and and make a whole day of it. I mean, so, so to cancel that and then to immediately turn around and have to have a lot of them shift operations to curbside where there's not getting making as much money, you know, it's going to be hard on them. What can North Kansas City, the city government, do to help those businesses? Well, so uh, we did allow curbside alcohol sales uh, beginning uh, sometime last week. And then we've also put together a website, nkcgo.com, that was launching cooperation with several organizations in town, the River North Business League, the uh, North Kansas City Business Council, and Mindy Hart of PR Chick to help uh, bring all these businesses together on one website where people can see where you're still doing curbside and takeout. So it's minor little things to kind of keep people along, but we really need, I see the federal government's coming through a little bit. We need the state to get back in session and come up with a little better plan than they have so far. What would you like to see the state do, Brian? Uh, you know, I we, we see a lot of these, these loans with interest, you know, if we get some more interest-free loans or grants out to some of these small businesses just to help them. Through. I mean, we don't know how long this is going to be. We're in the middle of a storm. We don't know how long the storm is going to be, but just something to help them get through these next couple of months. 
I'm visiting with North Kansas City Mayor Pro Tem Bryant DeLong. What are your citizens saying to you about about how this crisis is affecting them, and what are you hearing as you get around town? Yeah, actually, uh, a lot of our people have been very understanding. I haven't had anyone upset about any of the decisions we made so far. And actually, people were asking for tighter restrictions earlier on. So people felt, you know, because we, we don't have a health department, so we're relying a lot on Clay County. And so there's a lot of people that were saying Kansas City doing stuff and other surrounding communities doing stuff and wanting us to, you know, jump on things a little bit faster. So if anything, I think we're a very understanding community right now uh, in, in their – Really wanting to make sure we're doing the right thing. I'm wondering about uh, the impact you see on all this to your city budget. I know it's still early in this crisis, but have you had a chance to even begin to look at what you're up against? Uh, I've looked at it a little. It's going to be hard because we, uh, when 5.2 million of your budget comes from sales tax, there's not much sales tax coming in, and then another three million in our general fund coming from rental revenue from the casinos, they're not operating either. So there will be pretty significant impact. Don't have a number yet, but it'll be significant. You have a big city election coming up with the mayor's office on the ballot, as well as members of the city council. The election is set for April 7. Is that still going to take place or have you delayed it? So uh, the secretary of state has delayed all the Missouri municipal elections that were supposed to take place April 7th and move that to a June date. And our mayor is actually not up till 2021. Oh, I see. Okay. All of our city council and then the North Kansas City School District uh, ballot question will be on there. What's the the consequence of that delay from a political standpoint, Brian? Is or is there one? I I don't know. I I would see it as a pot. It's more time for people to prepare, get uh, up to date on the issues, and I don't know, know what's going on, have more time to connect with more people. Because some of these these political cycles do get short, so I would see it as a benefit. But I'm not up up until next year, so uh, I haven't really gone through that. I'm wondering to what extent elected officials in North Kansas City are talking to other elected officials in similar-sized towns north of the river. Are you guys comparing notes? I have not. I'm sure our city staff is. They're, They're very well connected with a lot of our other local governments around the town. And um, I'm sure they're all up to date. I, I've been connecting a lot more with Wes Rogers, our state representative, uh, who's been a strong supporter of small businesses to, you know, kind of pro- try to prod them along and, and seeing what the state can do to help. How long does this thing last before you really get worried? Well, I'm already at the really worried stage, but uh, we're... <laughs> That, 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 that that's what worries me the most we just don't know mm-hmm. we, you know we don't know we, you know once you get into next month then you gotta start worrying about evictions again and you know have we seen some of these businesses close their doors for the last time right right hey, has the virus brought to a halt you know any major projects up in north kansas city <clears throat> so we're still that'll be at our next city council meeting we're still discussing that in city staff still going through the list of projects Right now, we've, we've pretty much at least pushed. If it's not in the pipeline now, it's being pushed back. So, and we'll, we'll get a full list of that at our next meeting. But it, it'll certainly impact things we've had planned. Is there a project or two that might affect a lot of your residents that they, they maybe should know about? Oh, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, some of our biggest ones are water treatment plant and stuff like that. You know, we're going to continue to finish those. Mm-hmm. we got to continue to deliver these essential services and uh, – I can't, out of the top of my head, I can't think of any of that. It would be a large impact to residents. Right. 
To what extent is your city hall up and functioning at all right now? Is is it closed like everybody else's? It is closed like everyone else's, but I, I would say we're functioning pretty well. I mean, everyone's moved at home. They're online in a new environment, but they're all still working. If people need to rotate into city hall, they still are uh, as needed. But for the most part, I believe most all of them are work from home, it, except that obviously our public safety officials are still out there, you know, having to interact with the public daily. And as well as our water treatment plan again, because we still need to deliver the essential services. Mm -hmm. How have police adjusted uh, to this new era in North Kansas City, Brian? Uh, I think it's been a little bit of change for them. You know, they're just, again, more social distancing even when they're in the police station. Uh, I know our our dispatch has pretty much closed itself off to, you know, anyone passing through or coming in to visit uh, to make sure we can maintain a healthy staff there. And, And from what I've seen, our fire department as well working on social distancing during their downtime. So just, you know, trying to trying to abide by the rules and make sure everyone stays healthy in those critical departments. Have any other uh, city services been cut back that's been noticeable to, to your residents? Not at this point, no. We're still delivering all, all the services as we have been. Yeah. So we, we've been all, they're a pretty good continuity plan. They've enacted it. Probably a little bit of adjustment period, but... They're, they're starting to dial it in here. Have you been able to get in a car and drive around just to touch base with people, or how have you approached this? Pretty small area. Usually I'm just walking or biking around. Uh, it's uh, When we go down to Armour Road and you see where all these small businesses usually active in the evenings, no, no, you know, little to no cars, no one parked out there. Uh, I do see a lot of neighbors uh, coming out, one neighborhood at 6 o'clock every night, and to socially distance, greet each other, and talk to each other and meet each other. So, I mean, it's been good to see community come together through this as well. And people even meet some new neighbors. Huh. So it's, uh, but people have been out and about while also respecting each other's space. Do you have any sense yet? Is crime up or down right now? Brian, is, is this outbreak impacting the crime rate? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I haven't heard anything on that. Yeah. I haven't heard that we've had any outbreak. I mean, certainly I feel like there usually is less crime when places are more active and people are around and some of these places are less people, but I haven't heard anything. Okay. Well, that's North Kansas city mayor pro tem Bryant DeLong. He joined us via Skype this morning. Mayor, appreciate your time. Good luck up there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Appreciate having me on. Across the metro, libraries are closed to the coronavirus. That may not be news to you. What may be news are all the services that libraries continue to provide, even during a pandemic. You may be surprised by how much is still available. We asked three of the area's library systems to spend a few minutes reminding us what their libraries are still providing. First up is Debbie Siragusa. She's the interim chief executive of the Kansas City Public Library. Debbie, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And tell me about your online story times, Debbie. What what happens during those? Great. So our uh, our youth librarians uh, took full advantage of of taking our Facebook or taking our story times that everyone so enjoys at our as our physical location, the children's story times, and and putting them on Facebook Live. We're actually able to provide uh, that uh, story time every single day at ten thirty. Hmm. Um, 
so there's yeah it's a uh, you know each of our youth librarians uh you know working remotely from home in their home and we've uh provided them with the materials they need and so they're able to be online every day. We've had up to a thousand people viewing our FaceTime lives every day. No kidding. What kinds of books uh, have your librarians been reading? Well, mainly the children's books and the ones that they've had taken home with them. Uh, we, uh, we opened back up our buildings uh, late last week so they could go in. Books uh, generally, again, Gauged for the younger children who would typically come in for our uh, for our story times during the day. Uh, our intention is to uh, continue providing this service and uh, to determine what uh, what type of uh, of things that pa patrons are wanting to see. We're also uh, extending our Friday fun nights that we have at the Plaza Library, and we have for a long time. Uh, we will have Brother John here this upcoming Friday, and, and trying to keep that, uh, that activity, which is so well attended uh, at our physical location, but we're going to take it on live and, and hope to have a, a really nice uh, turnout for that also. Now, going back to those story times, I'm guessing that's kind of a peaceful way to spend 30 minutes or so. You know, um, the parents and the children have always loved our our story times at our at our libraries and and our youth librarians are are just amazing at at how they're able to bring in the children and and in this time of, of uncertainty uh, you know they can see the not only the youth librarians but uh, that story time that they're so used to and and really uh, hopefully bringing them some com some comfort and uh, some you know a way to uh, during this time to feel feel like they're still connected to their library. Maybe a few adults ought to tune in and listen, Debbie. I know the parents do, but I do believe uh, other adults may enjoy that also. I agree. Wouldn't be a bad way to spend some time. You mentioned your Friday family fun nights that are, have gone online. Tell us how you're doing that and what are family fun nights? Well, those those are also going on on Facebook Live. That's been the that's been the medium that's worked best for our librarians. Uh, Friday fun nights are more of a family uh, fun night. We would have uh, again just different. Uh, what you might call a performer or a uh, you know a magician or um, in this case Brother John who will come on uh, and Brother John talking about uh, I don't know what his actual. My apologies for not knowing what his actual. Um, presentation is going to be this week, but again, it's a much larger, much more active um, uh, activity for the family to join in, and I would encourage everyone who can, and especially if you have children, but again, as you said, even if you don't, uh, to, to enjoy that. It is, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, again, my apologies, I don't know what actual time those normally would happen. Um, but you can check the library website, I bet it'll be well there publicized there. KCLibrary.org. We have all of our online uh, activities available. Uh, we're also on Wednesdays and Fridays at 1 p.m. We're uh, doing uh, live art lessons. Some of our hmm. staff who are able to <laughs> to facilitate that are, are also doing that. Our intention is to uh, keep expanding the the online. Again, we we uh, we certainly um, we know the value the library has had both. Uh, for adults, when for the our reading materials and for children as our story times, and we we are intending to to take as many things online as we can, again to to make sure everybody knows that the library is here during this this time. Hey, how do you see the big push online? Uh, is this going to continue long after this epi uh, this pandemic uh, subsides? Oh, of course. Uh, 
so our online uh, materials and offerings have have been expanding year after year, as you can imagine, as as everybody's getting used to the the world of electronic books and uh, being able to access uh, music and and TV programs. And and for those who aren't able to do it on their own, the libraries here and services, you know, anyone for that free access to to everything that we could provide online. Uh, we had recently our libraries had. Uh, had a little bit of pushback from the providers of electronic materials, um, and so we were we were struggling to uh, find the right way to bring those. But it has been amazing in this uh, in this challenging time that we've seen so many of the providers who have who have opened up their service and made it affordable and actually offered a lot of free items to us. So we're able to provide even more now, hmm. uh, and most certainly after the the pandemic is over and we all return back to normal life. Uh, of course, this will continue to be. I think uh, right. the new normal and everyone learning how to do things online and remotely will will be part of our lives forever. That's Debbie Siragusa. She's the interim chief executive of the Kansas City Public Library. Debbie, thanks very much. Thank you. We're now joined by Steve Potter. He's director of the Mid-Continent Public Library as we continue our survey of different library systems around the area. Steve, good morning to you. Hi, Steve. How are you doing? Well, I'm well, nice thanks. To hear Debbie's voice. Uh, I, I still believe that Crosby did this to her somehow on purpose. You know, <laughs> got the pandemic whipped up just to make Debbie an interim during a crisis. Yeah, so, there you go. Uh, she's doing a great job over there. You know, your Mid-Continent Public Library is offering virtual business classes. What kind of virtual business classes? Oh my gosh! There's uh, just just tons. Now, our Square One Small Business Services has been sort of a a, a leader in the uh, really in the nation in terms of helping food based businesses and things like that. I sat in on one just not too long ago on how to um, how to start curbside service uh, mm-hmm. if you're a food based business. How do you actually start a a, a curb service or delivery service and um, uh, there's about 35 40 people who were in that program and and you know taking notes and, and doing things and there are just a, a ton of programs there was also one that we did not too long ago on the differences in social media you know if you have a business what's the difference between twitter and linkedin and you know all the different social media that's out there and which one do you want to do so we pivoted really hard our square one that was up there and running and pivoted into uh, virtual services, and um, it's it's been very well received. These are very sort of uh, practical classes. It sounds like absolutely, yeah. And so, um, and and really, just trying to meet people where they are, which has always been the mission. But now uh, there are immediate needs that people have that we wouldn't have foreseen six weeks ago. And so we're tooling up to do those. And then, and then also just one-on-one consultations, which we've done those too. Usually we meet in coffee shops to do those. Um, but now we're meeting people over virtual presence like Skype or Teams or something like that and just sort of helping to answer some of these small business folks' questions uh, as they come up and as they're trying to keep their head above water during this really uh, challenging time. I guess it goes without saying that even if someone is not a patron of the Mid-Continent Public Library system, they can still take part in some of these online classes. Absolutely. I mean, so uh, you can just go to our website, and we're basically using the Facebook Live platform as our streaming right. service, and people can get onto those. They can actually go to our Square One Small Business Services uh Facebook presence, and you can see some of the previous um, programs. And yeah, you don't have to be a member of, of our library system. But on the other hand, it's not hard to become a member 
all you have to do is go to mymcpl.org slash new card and um, and you can sign up for a new library card if you don't have one. You know, uh, Steve, we're talking about this as if everybody has access to a, a computer. What if they don't? Uh, what, what what advice would you offer them? It's right now is a really challenging time because we do have uh, we we do have situations in our community where there is free public Wi-Fi. Uh, that people can get to if they have a device. I know many of our school districts that we're working with um, are working on trying to get people on MiFi, but one of the big issues that we have with the pre-public Wi-Fi is that it creates a gathering space, and we're not supposed to be gathering right now. So, um, so there are some things that we're looking at doing in the near future, uh, not this week, maybe next week, uh, where you know, after, after uh, you know, we've been staying at home for a couple of weeks and maybe people can start getting out and employing social distancing, uh, that we might be able to help out with that. Um, but right now, I know the school districts are working really hard at, at the MiFi's and, and making sure that people have access. And, um, and, and we also have something that we're planning on um, uh, talking about in about a week as well. Is there a way for the public to check out real, actual books these days? Um, most libraries, the answer is no, and certainly that's mm-hmm. the case of Mid-Continent as well. Um, I, I sit on a conference call every week with the Urban Library Council, which are library districts from all over the country. Um, those who tried curbside service um, almost immediately had to end it because books were coming back. Well, we had, the presumption was books were coming back with COVID-19 on it. And it was infecting their, their staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, the, the safest thing for us to do was to just shut things down. Uh, try to figure out the science, uh, what's actually happening uh, with with this uh, virus and how to protect people when we do this. And you never say never. I mean, there could be a time when maybe we could do uh, curbside service or home delivery or something like that. But right now, the science is, is recommending that we right. not do that um, in, in, until things are a little clearer. Right. Well, that's Steve Potter. He's director of the Mid-Continent Public Library. Steve, thanks for your time. Good luck. Thanks a lot. Bye. And last but not least this morning, as we uh, check in with area library systems, uh, Sean Casserly is the Johnson County librarian. Sean, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. How are you doing, Steve? I'm well. Thanks for asking, Sean. And what is the Johnson County library system offering right now? We're offering very much what other libraries across the nation um, are offering. Um, we have an answer service for, uh, for people, particularly dealing with issues of unemployment. Uh, we have the whole range of ebooks and audiobooks that all regional libraries do. Um, but we're also offering a product called BrainFuse, uh, which is a, a very popular product for uh, homework help um, and the Khan Academy. Hmm. And then for, for kids, we're offering um, a, a kind of virtual story times, both in English and Spanish. Uh, we have a local music blog. And then the traditional... Um, uh, electronic magazines and uh, newspapers, but we have the same problems that really everyone else does. If you don't have a device or connectivity, it's really hard. Um, if you have a device, what we've done is lift all our Wi-Fi um, on and it bleeds out through our buildings. So if you're able to drive over and, and sit in our parking lot, you would be able to get access, hmm. but it really depends on you having a device. I'm, I'm wondering, Sean, how difficult is this time for librarians who are, 
know, they're so accustomed to being open in the good times and the not so good times. Uh, uh, you know, now they're actually closed during such a stressful time in the country when so many librarians just want to be helpful. Yeah, I think what we're doing is a very quick pivot, which is um, how do we still offer the same services and um, develop those digitally? And then that really becomes um, paramount at this time to, to be able to really think creatively. So we've had a number of events with authors scheduled um, for in-person meeting. Now we're looking at doing those um, you know, virtually um, same with book clubs. How quickly can we pivot to create an experience either Zoom or in, in GoToMeeting uh, where we can uh, provide people with information but also kind of experience, literary experiences, and they can connect socially, particularly when people may feel um, disadvantaged. One of our strategic uh, directions is community and really thinking deliberately about what does it mean to be a digital community um, and how can we uh, still strengthen those connections? In person is always more vital or more meaningful, but I think what we're really looking for is how to create meaningful connections among people that they can talk about these issues that they're facing, but maybe in the context of a book and, and, and in a safe space. Um, so that's really what we think about. And is that kind of thing space. happening now, Sean? Yeah, we have teams working on it. But it's hard to go. I think we closed a week ago um, Saturday. Um, within the last week, we converted all of our staff uh, into basically virtual staff and then into creating um, virtual programming. So that's well underway. Seems like years ago already, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's like last week felt like a month. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. What happens to your online traffic during a time like this? I assume it's way up? It's way up. Um, and we're thinking ahead when we look at unemployment, which with the recession, we saw library usage um, spike because people were unemployed and needed to find uh, work or retool. Um, what we're also planning at this point is for our opening because we're predicting a large influx and a large set of demands when we do open. So part of the prep is when we have, what, 3.3 million people unemployed, how can the library assist uh, connecting people to job opportunities mm. if those jobs are lost permanently? Do you have enough virtual copies of books to meet the demand right now? Well, that's one thing that we've done is we've shifted our purchasing already, and it was one of the first things we did almost immediately with our budget was to move all of our, our content purchasing to digital. We're looking at that really closely, and particularly um, holds ratios, meaning how long do you have to wait for a book, and then trying to drive that um, down. Okay. That's Sean Casterly. He's the Johnson County Librarian. Sean, thanks for your time. All the best. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Steve. You too. Bye. After a short break, we'll come back and talk about the plight of small businesses in our community. I'm Steve Kraske, and you're listening to Up to Date, special coverage coronavirus in Kansas City. And welcome back to Up to Date, special coverage coronavirus in Kansas City. I'm Steve Kraske. What are small businesses dealing with these days? 
turns out it's a lot. With stay-at-home orders now in place across the metro, casual shopping has taken a major hit as people hunker down at home. Meantime, many small business employees have been laid off or placed on leave. It all adds up to an extraordinarily difficult time for the small business community. Now a conversation with two individuals who keep a sharp eye on small business. Jenny Miller is a network builder and head of KC SourceLink that seeks to connect startups and small businesses to the right resources to help them succeed. Jenny, good morning. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Jenny. And Del Gines is a senior community development advisor for the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City, Omaha. Del, nice to have you too. Uh, good morning. Jenny, KC SourceLink has been running a survey of small business owners across the metro. What are you finding out? In the survey that we put out to the small business that about 70% of those respondents are looking for funding and financial assistance, and 53% are looking for tax incentives and relief. As you mentioned in your opening remarks, a lot of our businesses are, are taking a financial hit right now, and they're looking for ways to supplement and backfill some of that for their employees and for their customers when we can reopen. Is the help they need, Jenny, is it available or is it not? It's coming. Um, I think this hit our economy much faster than anyone was expecting, as, as you would expect with crisis. However, um, we are seeing a lot of stimulus come through the, through the federal government. Also, our businesses were caught off guard by this, and you're seeing a lot of resiliency right now with them being more entrepreneurial in their thinking and filling out kind of how can how can we stay open? How can we stay viable um, through this time? So you're seeing a lot of businesses come up with, with new things and with ways that they're able to fill their income and, and serve the needs of their customers uh, without their customers being able to come to them. You know, save that thought, Jenny. I want to get back and ask you about some examples of that entrepreneurship that you're seeing out there. Dell, what is the Fed seeing in this part of the country when it comes to the plight of small businesses? Well, it's a very similar story. Um, it's very, very tough right now. I mean, as you may suspect, when you have to do things like social distancing, and in some of you know our states, you have mandated social distancing, it eliminates you know some of the customer base that you would have for some of your most vulnerable businesses, but businesses in general, I mean, think about it from a restaurant standpoint, you can only recoup so much by going to, you know, kind of delivery-based services, but also consider the the things such as your salons, barbershops, daycares, all of these, you know, locations that require regular traffic. Um, and you can go on down the line. Like it's, it's a significant hit uh, that it's going to take us all to come together to be able to to really help solve this, uh, disseminate the resources that are going to be happening at state, local, and federal level to get them the maximum amount of support that they can during this time. You know, Dell, do small businesses in some parts of the country wind up getting hit harder than in other parts of the country? I think it's going to be industry specific. It's going to be virus impact you know, specific. And it's also going to be what happens with the coordinated resources at the local level and the state level as well. We know, um, you know, with the CARES Act that there's going to be stimulus coming down. 
But that stimulus has to be able to penetrate into the markets and people have to understand what they can get and how they can get it and when they can get it. So definitely there's going to be some regional state-specific impacts as each state responds differently to the virus. But by and large, at the most general sense, I would say that most small businesses are going to get hit in some way, whether it's through direct you know, consumer, you know, based issues or it's through their supply chain. Yeah. We have a couple of small business owners calling in right now. We wanted to get their stories. We're joined now by Casey Simmons. She, she's with a store called Stuff in Brookside. Casey, good morning. Good morning, Steve, Jenny and Dell. You know, we're being told here, uh, Casey, that uh, small businesses are seeing significant hits. Would that apply to a store called Stuff? Yeah, you know, we um, are, it's been a devastating blow, actually. Hmm. Um, even before the stay-at-home order, our sales at that point had dropped off 65% hmm. in less than a matter of days. Um, there seems to be a lot of conversation um, in a lot of the media and press about restaurants specifically and food-based businesses. We're not hearing as much conversation about small retailers um, you know, those little shops like ours that line all those wonderful neighborhoods all over the United States, which are part of your experience of your neighborhoods, your cities, when you travel, when you even do, um, you know, uh, you know, short distance traveling, those are reasons you go to those cities and those towns so that you can enjoy a stroll down the street at all those small shops and then stop and have a bagel or coffee and then stop later and have a dinner at a local restaurant. Um, we are not as much part of the conversation um, in the bigger sense. These small mom-and-pop shops are suffering. We are non-essential, and so we are not able to do uh, takeout food, you know, kind of on a consistent uh, planned basis. We are having to be very creative. We've been entrepreneurs for close to 25 years, mm -hmm. and one of the things of being an entrepreneur is you can be a little more nimble when you're not a big box. Um, so, so what are you so doing, are Casey? Well, so we are able to, um, first of all, I'm, I want to tell everyone this is super important for people to hear. The best thing you can do for any small business right now is buy a gift certificate mm. to, their, to their business, whether that's a small retailer, restaurant, whatever. It's immediate money. It is an investment in people, not product, meaning you're investing in their business and you're saying, I believe in you. I believe you have a future. I'm going to be here when you're when we're all able to come out of this situation. That's 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 emotionally boosting. It's also financially boosting. Um, so that's right off the bat. The, the easiest thing you can do from home is buy these gift certificates to anyone and everyone. What we are doing is we are we have a lot of social media following. We have a huge email list. We have really invested over the years in people. Um, we're an experiential store, so that's tough. So what we're doing is we're getting on and we're talking through video and other ways about some of our meaningful products, um, about some of the things we can do that are easy to ship because we can direct ship. Um, we're able to work from our homes and direct ship. Um, we can do a very limited amount of delivery. Um, mm -hmm. So we are able to uh, offer a little bit of delivery. However, we are not doing curbside pickup or drop buys in any way because we feel that that is not the intent of the stay-at-home order. And the last thing we want to do as store owners and as Kansas Cityans and community-involved people, we don't want to be drawing people out of their homes um, into our space or anyone's space for that matter. Right. So we are keeping a very strong, very strong um, 
wall, so to speak, between us. Now, as most people I'm sure would assume, we do have a responsibility to come check our business for security reasons. You know, business doesn't just stop on one day. We still get deliveries. We still get mail. Right. We still have to check the thermostat. We still have to make sure that the store is in one piece, things like that. So we, ha- we And we're able to work from our homes. Um, and so we are working on creative ways. What we did well, Casey, let me just ask you, we were hearing a little bit of yes, talk please. about the stimulus package. How much is that going to help? Well, hopefully a lot. But, you know, I think that Dell said it very well. Um, this is money down the road. Um, Mm -hmm. So even though um, we have um, a little buffer in place, nothing like the buffer we're expected to have right now, we have the kind of buffer in place to withstand a winter storm, Um, a, um, you know, a broken window or possibly, you know, something happening to our store that's that's temporary. It's a week long, maybe. Um, We've had, you know, in our 24 years, we've had power outages. We've had... um, We've had economies even go down. Even in a really, we've survived two depressions of economy in our in our history. Those are not the same. You don't go down 65% in that situation. Right. You drop off, you know, 30% and then you sustain. And so you make small adjustments as you go. You don't go from, from kind of everything selling pretty well to literally nothing the next day selling. Casey, have you um, been forced to let go? That's the same scenario. Have you been forced to let go of your other employees? Yes. Okay. We actually, before the stay-at-home order, we actually wrote a letter to all of our customers, um, and we wrote it to the public. We published a letter. Um, we went out very early and strong. Most of our employees are part-time employees, and it's not enough hours to really affect them deeply, um, but they were able to get on the system. Um, we had one full-time sales associate. We actually released her um, before the backlog of unemployment. She was able to get her unemployment within a matter of days. We were able to, when we got our paperwork confirmed it immediately, she's already been getting income through that source. And we made sure that our people were on the system early um, and fast so that they would be protected. We've been in contact with all of them. Um, We are are checking in with them. But, yes, the store now exists. Uh, myself and my sister Sloan. Right. right. Um, we are the co-owners, and we are running the shop. Well, that's Casey Simmons. She's with a store called Stuff and Brookside. Casey, we're going to be pulling for you. Thanks for taking some time with us today. I really appreciate it, uh, Steve. And um, StoreNamedStuff.com is our website. If you want to read our story, if you want to keep in touch with us, we would love the visit to our website of nothing else. Sounds good. All the best, Casey. Bye bye. Thank you, Steve. You bet. Bye bye. We're now joined by Abby Field. She's the uh, longtime owner of Shop Beautiful in Overland Park. It opened back in 1936, and Abby happens to be a neighbor of mine. Abby, good morning to you. Hi, Steve. It's nice to hear your voice, and it was nice to hear Casey's voice. We used to be next-door neighbors. That's right. That's right. So what are you thinking about, Abby, when it comes to the future of Shop Beautiful? Well, it is a very uncertain time. I don't know whether it was a blessing or a curse, but we had the additional um, wrinkle that our lease is up on April 30th in Mm. Hawthorne Plaza. So we knew we were non-essential. We knew that the supply chain was jacked up, and we knew our landlord was not ready to talk about rent abatement. And so Sarah and I decided the best thing for us to do would be to move the store out and put it in storage until the dust settles and we can reevaluate. Hmm. I can't help but notice, Abby, that 
shot beautiful open during the Great Depression, and it yep. su survived those troubled times. How are things different today? Any sense? Well, I'm old, but I wasn't there in the, the Great Depression. <laughs> but I agree with with um, Casey. It this has this has been so sudden and um, so complete that it just doesn't feel like a tapering off. It it, it feels like a switch was turned. Mm -hmm. um, and the decision-making process during this has been really difficult because you're drinking from a fire hose. You don't, a plan you make on Friday afternoon is absolutely useless Monday morning. And it started going even faster than that. I, I can't believe looking back, it was only last Saturday that we decided to pull the plug. And it seems like a thousand years ago. Yeah. Yeah. How about your employees? You know, I, too, have um, uh, mostly part-time employees. In fact, all part-time employees. My sister and I are the only full-time employees, and we're really the only people who need the job. Everyone else has um, other sources of income. I have talked to them. They are um, the ones that can apply for unemployment are applying. Um, they're all mourning. They feel like something is lost. Hmm. I don't feel that way. I feel like we're going to implement some things on Facebook Live. Um, we have a great communication with our customers, and we're, we're planning to move forward. So I haven't gotten into the morning stage yet. But folks can check out Shop Beautiful online, right? Um, yes, we have a Shopify shop. We're beefing that up just as fast as we can. I'm kind of excited. I'm going to be giving the first um, Facebook Live tour of the new world headquarters of shop beautiful tomorrow at 11 o'clock so that ought to be entertaining at any rate and we're we're trying to learn to adopt these new um well new to us um uh technologies i'm gonna sign up for mid-continent libraries a square one class for sure that sounds go. like something that all small business owners can use well, that's Abby Fields joining us from Westwood. She's the longtime owner of Shop Beautiful out in Overland Park. It's been around since 1936. Abby, good luck. We'll see you in the hood, okay? Sounds great, Steve. Thanks for having me. You bet. If you're just joining us, you're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. We're talking about the plight of small businesses in our community. If you're a small business owner and want to share your story, we're eager to hear it. 816-235-2888 is our phone number. Or you can tweet us at KCUR up-to-date. Let's turn back to our panel, Jenny Miller with KC SourceLink and Dell Gines uh, with the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. Dell, I was wondering, isn't one of the big issues here simply the ability for small business owners to to get their hands on capital these days i mean these businesses need cash flow right that's the biggest issue right now honestly i did an informal survey that i, I just want to get a pulse of 20 to 30 you know of people that were within my network i ended up getting over 500 responses and when i looked at the very small business owners you know under 100,000 solo entrepreneurs um by and large that was the number one thing that they were requesting and a lot of it was direct cash assistance because many of the statements were if i get a loan and i'm just going to have to add more debt so it kind of came out in three ways you know direct cash assistance in some form the ability to apply for unemployment for non-small business owners because many of them can't then it was loans low dollar loans and then the third was payment abatement so some kind of forbearance or abatement on their their rent utilities or their their lending to support that cash flow need 
But as you may suspect, when you lose our, and by the way, those entrepreneurs did a phenomenal job. I encourage you all to go check out their websites and support them. But when you lose that immediate cash from your customers, that's going to be the thing that's going to be needed to be able to be bridged from the troubled time to right. a more stable time. You know, I'm told, Dell, that the Small Business Administration is trying to help, but that the SBA website keeps crashing. Well, as you may suspect, when you see yeah. such a huge influx of demand, uh, that's going to blow up a lot of servers. So I'm sure they'll get it right. Uh, there's going to be things coming out in the CARES Act that I think we're, we're all going to have to figure out how they're going to deploy, but very flexible. But there are some things that I would like to share quickly with small business owners. One, pick a trusted source of information because a lot of us are facing information overload list right. upon list. Right. Pick one or two very trusted, regularly updated sources of information on things like the CARES Act, SBA, and your local providers that are trying to support you. And then also beware of scams. If mm. anything, is, history has shown us that in times of great financial turmoil, you have a lot of scam artists that are going to come out with high interest rate loans, false loans, or other things to take advantage of the turmoil. So be very careful of that as well. Jenny, you've said that one thing that can really help small businesses right now is something simple, updating their Google listing. Tell us about that. Right. So a lot of these businesses, and actually I'd like to add on uh, to what Dell was mentioning and looking at a trusted referral source. Um, KC SourceLink has set up a website specifically for resources for businesses affected with the coronavirus. So please, if you are a business owner out there, kcsourcelink.com, there's a link right off of our homepage. Um, we are here to support businesses. We are updating this website uh, on a daily basis. So please utilize that tool and put it in your toolbox so that you have access to those resources as they're available. Um, We've talked a lot about what businesses can do right now to help with their cash flow, to look at what's available. And to answer your question, Steve, people are wondering, you know, consumers, are these businesses open? Mm -hmm. I wanna support local, I right. wanna help these businesses. So a business owner going in and updating your Google listing, if you are open, um, make sure people know that put a pop-up on your website that talks about if you um, are not open, how can businesses still support you? It's been mentioned gift certificates this morning or looking at Shopify stores. How can consumers still support those businesses and make sure they have access to that information? Let's go back to some phone calls here as we talk about the impact of coronavirus on small business. Our number, 816-235-2888. Bill from Kansas City, Missouri. He's a sole practitioner. Bill, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. You bet, Bill. I just wanted to uh, talk about small medical practices, and in particular, I'm a pediatric subspecialist, uh, meaning I'm a pediatric cardiologist wow. here in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And um, it's important that kids with heart problems and heart issues, you know, still get appropriate and timely medical care throughout this. So I'm still open and doing my best. I've not let any of my staff go, but we've made some big changes in how we're running the clinic and um, bringing folks in basically one at a time. Um, they don't even sit in the waiting room. When they come in through the front door, we put them directly into a room. Of course, we scrub the room down before and after, and uh, we're 
trying to do our best, but obviously our volume is way down. So even though we're trying to do everything we can to cope with the situation, it's, it's a very tough. Uh, we're about 70% down on wow. our practice. Bill, how are you getting word out to your patients that you are, in fact, still open? To Jenny's point about well, the idea of getting the word out. Yeah, we've definitely been using Facebook. And um, actually, one of the things we've talked about in the practice is how do we notify the referring physicians? And I think we'll be sending notices and, and faxes out to them. But as somebody else said earlier, this is all new, and it did hit us like a ton of bricks. Wow. And from that standpoint, we're just trying to deal with this very new reality and hoping it's going to be temporary. Bill, we wish you the best of luck. I'm glad you called in. Thank you, Steve. Take you bet. Let's go to Ken from Lee Summit. Ken, you're on up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for the service. I'll give you my two points real quickly and take the answer off the air. Number one, I'm an individual who's both a W-2 employee and a small business owner. I'm the only employee of a small business for 25 years, insurance, sales, and commissions. What options do I have? And number two, where in the area does one report businesses that continue to violate the rule as they open car dealerships, restaurants, et cetera? I went into a mad circle where they say that's not Jackson County called Lee Summit. Lee Summit's just called Jackson County and vice versa. I'll take my answer off here. Yeah, thank you, Ken. Uh, what about Adele, his first question, the fact that he's the only employee of his business? If Well, if he's a W-2 employee from the other business, there's potential unemployment benefits. As of now, with a solo entrepreneur, I believe it's it's state-to-state specific, but I don't believe you can apply for unemployment benefits as of now as a solopreneur. But I do believe, and this is yet to be fleshed out in the CARES Act, they're going to roll out a provision for people such as him, which is going to be huge. I, I, I don't want to underestimate undersell that because a lot of solo entrepreneurs you know that don't necessarily take wages through their their personal business formally traditionally haven't been able to get unemployment benefits and so this provides a potential opportunity for that so keep keep uh keep an eye on that right now we we don't know how it's all going to shake out yet through the through the bill but there should be some provisions for that in that stimulus bill you know jenny i think i missed his second question he hung up before i could get back to him did you catch up by any chance no, I, I did not. I'm sorry. Okay. Let me move on to another call here. Bird from Kansas City, Missouri. Good morning. Go ahead, Bird. I think we lost him here. Jenny, you've also said that the type of training that's very much in demand these days has to do with effectively communicating with your customers. Explain that to us. So, and it goes back to letting people know that you are open and kind of Bill talked about this too. What precautions are you as a business owner taking to help your customers? Uh, through the survey that Casey SourceLink took, uh, we saw that a lot of the business owners are worried about their customers right now. So communicating with your customers, let them know what, what you are doing to protect them, that you do care about them, and that you're here to serve them right. are some of the biggest communication factors. That's Jenny Miller. She's with KC SourceLink. We are also joined by Dell Gines. Uh, he's with the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City and Omaha. Thank you both very much. We'll have to come back and revisit this topic. Uh, lots of calls, lots of questions we didn't get to. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. <clears throat> 
Well, we've got one more voice we want to bring into today's show, inspired in part by a listener question we received. Terry from Mission wanted to hear how animal shelters are being affected right now. Turns out shelters are being affected positively by everyone staying home. People are fostering and adopting animals at an extremely high rate. Here to tell us more about this national trend is Terry Fugate. She's the chief communications officer at KC Pet Project. Tori, nice to have you. Good morning. Thank you so much. Tori, how many cats and dogs are at KC Pet Project right now? I mean, compared to like a week ago. Well, we put out a plea on the 17th of March for urgent fosters and adopters, and we had just a tremendous response. We've had over 700 people apply to be fosters for our organization, and as of this morning, we only have around 60 animals in the building, and typically we have at least 300, so this has really made a a massive difference for us here. How surprised are you by what you've seen transpire here? It was really a remarkable thing. I mean, not only did we see this in Kansas City, but shelters across the country all did this, and they're all empty today. Um, We have definitely seen that fostering is the way of the future. We're so pleased with everyone who has wanted to take a pet into their home, because what better time to be hanging out with either a new adopted pet or a foster animal than uh, during a quarantine period where you can get to know all the animals that are in your home and to take care of them. And so we still have animals that are coming into the shelter. We get around 10 to 20 each day right now. Um, We have been doing a lot to try to reduce the number of pets coming into the shelter. Um, But overall, yeah, we're we're moving them out as they come available and so people can see all the pets on our website. And when you talk about fostering, you're talking about a temporary situation, right? Right. We've asked for a four to six week commitment from everybody who is fostering right now. And what we're finding is that a lot of people are already finding homes for their pets through their friends and family and things like that. So, and then they want to take in another pet and um, it's just, it's just such a wonderful thing. We can't thank our community enough for their support. You know, I think I know the answer to this, but what would you say? Why are people adopting and signing up uh, to foster animals in mass right now? What's going on? Well, it's a good thing to have a companion. Maybe you work a lot or you can't have a pet or you travel and you can't feel like you can't have one. Now you're at home. And so what a great time to be able to take a foster pet or an adopted pet into your home and bond with it and, uh, you know, get to know, get to know the new pet in your home. So right now could not be a better time for most people that are wanting to help. Pretty amazing, Tori. Yes, it's very amazing. And it's just been so heartwarming to see empty kennels across the country. Uh, due to this movement. That's Tori Fugate. She's the Chief Communications Officer at KC Pet Project. Thanks so much. Thank you. And if you have a question about the coronavirus or its impacts uh, that you want KCUR to look into, send it to us at kcur.org backslash askkcur, and we'll do our best to find an expert to answer it. That's kcur.org backslash askkcur. I'm Steve Kraske. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to up-to-date special coverage, coronavirus in Kansas City.